we were discussing the Bainani. And we said that on the one hand, when it comes to behavior, behavior in time is defined by the actions we take, the words we say, and the thoughts that we think, although we'll come back to thought later because it's a little complicated than thought. The Bainani does not have any of those behaviors originate from the animal soul's klipa, right? The, all, everything the Bainani does is only the 613 plants of the Torah or those things which are needed for the Bainani in order to do the 613 minutes of the Torah. But when we talk about the inner life of the Bainani, it is not that the godly soul has absolute sovereignty, except during times of prayer. Um, how do we describe prayer yesterday? No. Oh, when they describe prayer. Yes. <laughs> 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 Yes, the intel- using intellectual facts to meditate deeply on the greatness of Hashem. Right, so we spoke a, um, a bit about that. And um, I want to elaborate just a little bit more um, on this idea. In the Hasidus, we break up the intellect into three um, sub-components, three faculties. I'm sure you're familiar with this, Chachma, Bina, and Das, yes? Okay. And I'm also sure that you have heard that Chachma is like the flash of insight, and Bina is the breaking it down to details, understanding, and then someone got like hand-wavy about Das, right? So I said something about like internalizing or applying, right? Okay, fine. Um, none of that is necessarily wrong, but I don't think it's necessarily useful either. Um, so what I would like to do very briefly is, in the context of what we're learning here, of davening, discuss Chachma, Bina, and Das. Because that's what he says. So yesterday we spoke of this idea more generally. Now I'd like to speak about more specifically. Okay. So um, I think one of the first things to do is to think of Chachma, Bina, and Das um, as tools. Um, because a tool, first and foremost, is understood in terms of what it's meant to accomplish. And then secondarily, how you use the tool to accomplish that. Right? So a simple tool, like for instance, a hammer. Right? We all know that a hammer is for you know, applying a lot of force, such as to insert a nail into a piece of wood or to break something that needs to be broken apart, right? And then the how you use the hammer follows from that. Right? Um, a knife right, is meant to cut. And from that, it follows how you should use the knife, right? Make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So if we, if we understand Chacham, Bin, and Das as tools um, that exist within us, you know, psychological tools, spiritual tools, however you want to think about it, so it makes sense to think about what, it, what are they supposed to accomplish? And then from there, then how do we use them? And then we'll come back to this idea of davening. So, what is Chachma meant to achieve? If I'm going to use my Chachma, what am I supposed to achieve? So, the idea here is that Chachma, what I'm supposed to achieve with Chachma, is an awareness of the truth. 
There are many different levels of Chachma, types of Chachma, aspects of Chachma, but ultimately, uh, a very simple way of putting it is that Chachma is the tool that I'm used to become aware of the truth. We're going to revisit that when we talk about how you use Chachma. What am I trying to accomplish when I use the second tool, the tool of Bina? I'm trying to understand, right? That one's obvious, right? This is the most obvious one. I'm trying to understand. And I think, unfortunately, most of us, when we hear the notion of intellectual faculties, we immediately just think of the goal is to try to understand things. Um, But that's at best one-third of the intellectual faculties, right? And then as we go a little more into understanding what understanding means, there are different levels of understanding. Um, Okay, and then Das. What is the goal of Das? No, no. So I'm aware that this is the truth and I understand it. To integrate it into your application? Nope. Although, nope. To accept it as your own truth. Okay, now we're on the right track. Um, the, 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 if you translate the Hebrew words that are used, it often is misleading. So I'm going to use a slightly different word, okay? Which is that it is relevant. Something can be true, and I can understand it, and yet I do not actually relate to it as having relevance. So making it relevant. No, no, not making it relevant. It's very important. Mm. Not I'm making it relevant. I, I have. Relevance. Right. Mm. So the word in Hebrew that was used is hakara and hargasha. Hakara is recognition, hargasha is feeling. But not in the sense like an emotional feeling. Mm. Um, like when you go outside and it's cold, you feel that it's cold, right? So are you, are you sensing its relevance, right? So the idea here is, is that in, in some sense you are picking up about something about it. You are not imposing something on it. Making something relevant is not, is, is not what the goal of that. The goal of das would be... So just to give a very simple example, okay? Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to use the example of morality. Okay? So morality basically means there's, there's things that you should not do no matter what. Right? Those are, and there are things that you should do no matter what. Okay? What the things are is irrelevant right now. There's a moral sense, right? Okay, so some things like are a good idea to do because they're, they're practical, they lead you to good conclusions in life. Certain things are logical, right? Moral is a entirely different thing, right? So if somebody, let's use an example of something I think most of us understand is clearly immoral. Um, murdering somebody for their money so that you can buy yourself a Frappuccino, mm-hmm. right? I think we all understand that there is no way that that is an okay thing to do, right? And, and, and yeah. what, <laughs> what? No, but that's not the point. Even if it right. was worth the effort. Right. Even if it was worth the effort, right? And, and, and it doesn't, it's not, it's not bad because it's not worth the effort. It's not bad because you might go to jail. It's not, like there is something wrong about that that should not be done ever, right? Good? Yeah. Okay. Um, there is a child and the child is about to get hit by a car, right? And if you grab the child, they won't get hit by the car, right? You absolutely should do what? 
right? right? So we have this clear sense of, um, and I don't, I don't want to get caught up on the specifics of what counts as right and what counts as wrong, but we have a sense that rightness and wrongness in the moral sense is a distinct element of reality, different from is it useful or is it not useful, or will the consequence be? It's a different kind of a sense. Now, if you don't have Chachmah, are you even aware that such an aspect exists? Like there is a truth, there, there's, a moral, there is a, there's this moral right and wrong. Someone who will be lacking Chachmah, they haven't used their Chachmah, they'd be looking at me saying, what, what, what's wrong about it? Like, what's, what? They don't get it. Like, it's just the very notion of right and wrong in the moral sense doesn't, they have no, they have no, no, no awareness of that. So there's this truth about reality called morality and they, have no, they don't sense that truth. That's a lack of using which tool? Chachma. Okay? Now. Oh, we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't give an example of das just now? No. This is chachma. That's chachma. Right? If, if I said, if I do those two cases, right, and it's like very clear to you that the first thing was wrong in the most absolute sense, the second thing is right, you really should never do the first thing and you really should do the second thing, that's very clear to you, that means you are using which tool? Your chachma. Your chachma is picked up on the moral truth of those statements. Good? You have a sense of the morality, okay? Now, is every moral um, issue so clear-cut? No. No. Okay. So now, do you understand where to draw the line between what is moral and what is immoral? Or how to integrate different, moral, different things that are moral when they're in conflict with each other? Right, that becomes messy, it becomes complicated, right? For instance, let me change the things, right? Killing one person to save many people's lives. More complicated, right? I don't wanna go into the discussion, but it's more complicated, right? Killing someone for their money so you can buy a frappuccino, clearly immoral. Killing somebody to save somebody else's life, many people's lives, directly killing, indirectly killing, passively allowing them to die, right? What if you're related to them? What if you're not related to them, right? It all starts getting very messy, right? And that can be very confusing. Confusion is the opposite of understanding, right? So getting a kind of very clear, precise sense of what goes into what category and where to draw the lines, that is what you're trying to do when you would apply the tool of Bina to the moral question. Does that make sense? Do you repeat that line? Oh. Trying to get a very clear sense of where to draw the lines. Mm. When, you, when you're dealing with a moral question, that would be using which tool? Bina. Now, it'd be kind of silly to be using Bina if you didn't even have a basic sense of moral right and wrong, right? If you can't get that murdering somebody for the money you buy for Appuccino is inherently wrong, right? It should never be done, right? And reaching out to grab a child to save them from getting hit by a car is something that should be done, right? Mm -hmm. If that does not seem just self-evidently true to you, it's kind of silly to go around like debating what goes into the moral right and moral wrong categories, right? Because those categories are meaningless. So Venus are more complex nuanced cases, gray area stuff, to really try to... Right, because that's where confusion comes from, right? Understanding something is because in reality, right, it, it, understanding something... Actually, let me, let me take a step back. I was going to say what I was going to say a little bit later, but I'll say it now because it's relevant now. In Chachma, what you're essentially doing is you are trying, you, you are, you are something, is, something is true 
the, the notion of truth is understood in, 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 in most Jewish texts, as far as I know, all Jewish texts. If something is true, means that its validity is independent of others. Okay? In other words, if, if, what makes murdering wrong is not that you think it's a bad idea or society wouldn't work. There's something intrinsic, something essential about murdering the person for their money that it should not be done. And so in Chachma, if you're getting at the truth of something, what you're doing is you're recognizing that this, its truth has, is independent of your mind. You're acknowledging something that, that whether it makes sense to you, whether it doesn't make sense to you, this is just the way it is. You're getting, you're getting to that kind of an awareness. Whereas in Bina, you're addressing a totally different problem, which is that I find this confusing. I don't understand it. It seems to be a big, um, complicated mess in my mind. So where in Chachma, I'm placing the emphasis on the truth of whatever. In Bina, I'm placing the emphasis on whether or not I can navigate this coherently, whether or not it makes sense to me. And obviously, the more, the more messy the issue is in my mind, the more I feel the need to apply this other tool to make sense of it. Okay? So now let's say we have someone, they've, they've chachma, so they're aware of this kind of moral sense, the bina, they, they, they've studied, they've thought, they've, they've really done whatever they need to do in order to have like a more sophisticated, nuanced approach to moral questions, and now they have a clear sense of how to evaluate in a specific complex situation what in fact is right and what in fact is wrong what should not be done, and what must be done. Good? Does that necessarily mean they're gonna do it? Why not? There's something called desire that comes in the way? Nope. Chassidus would say that that's not true. We give desire way too much power. You're saying just knowing would be enough? Just knowing should be enough. Just knowing should be enough. So why doesn't it work? Maybe you don't apply properly. What? They don't feel the relevance. They don't feel the relevance. In other words, if you knew that in a way that was, you knew it, not just that this is wrong, and exactly what the, exactly this aspect of it's wrong, this can't be done, right? Because in complex situations, it's messy, right? You've, you've got that. But all of that has this sense of being true somewhere else. It's like esoteric. It's right? esoteric. It's theoretical. It is not... It is not a truth that is relevant. You know, you don't feel it's making a demand on you. Because this is the thing. If you were to know its relevance, you were to know that this truth is the truth of the reality in which you inhabit, the pressure that that places on your psyche would override any desire. If it's relevant? If you feel it's relevant. In other words, relevance over trumps desire all the time. In other words, when, it's, when a person, and this is why actually we use the Hebrew word das, knowledge, right? When you know that this is wrong, it doesn't matter how much you desire it, you won't do it. Now, what do we mean you know it's wrong? Not you're aware of its wrongness. Not you understand how it's wrong and how something slightly different is not so bad. Or like, mm-hmm. But that that wrongness is something that exerts a force on your mind, a pressure on your mind, looks like the kind of the force of gravity exerts a pressure on your physical body. Okay. Um, and so, the ability to differentiate in theory between things is associated with Bina. The ability to actually choose in life is associated with Das. 
Hence, hence, many people in the classroom setting, in the academic setting, can be quite expert in telling you what is right and wrong. And, they really, and, 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 they, and, and they're being quite sincere that they, they sense this is wrong and this is right, and yet they walk out of the classroom and it comes to their actual behavior in life. It has no effect. And that's not because they don't care, and it's not because they don't desire, and that's not because they desire things. It's because they're missing a particular aspect which is not only is it true, not only is it coherent to make sense, but it's also relevant. It is also something that pertains to them. And that aspect of it, they haven't used a tool that allows you to sense that. Is it possible to give one example now for all of them, like including all of them, where the clock markings kicks in, where the, you know, The problem with giving examples is that, is that examples work for something or for others. So the moral example, like I gave the example of Chachma, we all have, I mean, assuming we all have that Chachma, that those things are wrong. Um, but I'll give you an example where, where it's in most of us don't have the Chachma. Um, the only thing that's relevant, the only thing that's real, the only thing that matters is God. Does that strike you as... as, as obviously true the way it's obviously true that you shouldn't murder somebody so you can buy yourself a frappuccino mm-hmm. no. so what are you clearly lacking here no you're less than chachma well, it's a basic chachma right like it's a claim but like I have no sense that it's true right maybe 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 I trust the rabbi that's telling me that they know they're about I don't actually have a sense that that's true right if, if someone right you see what I'm saying like The, 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 the chassidah says the only thing that matters is God like, okay. chassidah says the only thing that matters is God it's not, it's not, it doesn't seem relevant it just doesn't even seem true right so there's an example where you have or you've used your chachma in, for one thing and you haven't used your chachma for the other thing, I'm not saying it's your fault I'm just saying if you, the tool of chachma allows you to sense that something is true right? so you say something like murdering someone so you can buy yourself a drink is wrong, that strikes us all as self-evidently true. That's because of the Chachmah's working there. And they say something, other than God, nothing else matters. That doesn't strike us as self-evidently true. So that means that our Chachmah is not working there. Wouldn't you say that for most people, actually, the boss is missing there? No, no, no. No. The Das is also missing, but it's, it was missing as well before Das. Well, here, here. Oh, so what would be the difference, right? What would be the difference, okay? Let's say you encountered somebody else, not you, because with you, it even gets messy. Somebody else, okay, murdered somebody so they could have money to buy a drink. What would immediately go through your mind, right, other than just the revulsion, like, like not emotionally, but like cognitively, would go through your mind is like, what is wrong with that? Like, wh- 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 like, you, like, you cannot, like, where are they coming from? You just say this is wrong. It's be- but, like, but somebody did it, right? And did it knowingly. It's just bewildering. Like, you, 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 you have a million questions. Like, what went wrong with them? Like, how could someone do that, right? Okay. If you see somebody walk down the street, worried about having enough money to pay their mortgage because they like to you know, keep their house, you're like, what's wrong with you? Don't you know the only thing as, as real as God? You don't, you don't have that reaction, right? That's perfectly reasonable, right? So it's not true to you. You don't have a sense that it's true. 
If you had a sense that it's true, and then you saw somebody conducting their life completely antithetical to that, you, I don't get it. By the way, there was someone like that, right? Bishim Bayechai. Bishim Bayechai walked out of the cave. He saw someone going to work. He's like, what are you doing? How can you go to work? It makes no sense. Right? Things, if Chachma had, if we've used the tool of Chachma, something seems true. Something seems true. It creates the premises for your questions. Our questions is, how could it be that only God matters? What about my life? What about my family? Right? We have all these questions about, right? Questioning it. If that seems self we have all we have we'll be questioning the other way around. So what's lacking there is chachma. I mean, there might be other things lacking too. Okay. Now by the way, you can be lacking in chachma and not be lacking so much in Bina. Pukhi, the person could have very good explanations of how that makes sense. It just doesn't seem true to them. It's like you can sometimes be very good at explaining how something makes sense, and yet at the same time it just doesn't seem true to you. It's like it's someone else's theory. It's someone else's way of looking at the world. It doesn't seem true to me at all. So then that doesn't make sense. How, how would you dismiss that? What? If you internalize it, if you accepted it, if you understood it, how could that... that so the thing to understand is that these are separate tools. Using one does not require using the other. But if you're only using one, you're not using the other, something ends up missing. So like, I always found it fascinating that there's professors of like ancient um, ancient not ancient civilizations per se but like ancient ancient religions and stuff like that that don't exist like nobody practices them like right like there's like who cares like and what's also very interesting like people that study like people that study religion so there's people that study religion who themselves have a religious kind of bone like like there's something about religion that strikes themselves as very true about you know and so that but then there are people who like, study religion and, and they're like strict materialists in the way they look at the world. And, I, I, and, and the reason for that is, is that, um, you know, people have legs. Some people like using their legs, right? They're called runners, right? People have a power of bina, which leads to understanding, takes things that are confusing and makes them coherent. Mm. And people like doing that too. We call them academics. <laughs> in other words, you, it, 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 it doesn't necessarily even have to be that there's a truth to it. It's, there's, there's, there could be something that's enjoyable of a, using a particular tool that you have in your mind. Now, obviously, most people, most of the time, you know, they, 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 they tend to live their life about certain things. So there tends to be kind of a... These tools tend to kind of try to work together. But you have the opposite. Like, 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 like there are people that um, have a very strong sense that, like, God provides for them. And if you start asking them questions like, how does that work? Like, they don't know. And they have no idea how it works. And they don't even bother, it doesn't bother them, they don't know how it works. So like, their chachma has like sensing this truth and they're not in any way interested in using the bina power to actually make sense of it, trying to understand it. They're different independent tools. Okay. And, and the, 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 the greatness of chachma is that it gets at the truth of the matter. The downside is it disregards whether or not it makes sense to you. And thus, it can leave you in a state of bewilderment and confusion and, you know, impracticality. And the advantage of Bina is that it leads you to actually making sense of things, but the disadvantage is that there's no regard for whether or not what, what, what makes sense is actually true. So. You can use all of them independently in average. So why do you say that Chochmah and Bina give us the best? They don't. 
Chachamim don't give birth to das. Chachamim we say give birth to emotions. Where do we see Chachamim give birth to das? That's why I was like, Chachma and Bina are like the parents, and Das is like the Torah. No, no. So, Chachma and Bina are like the parents, Das is the, is, is, um, the act that brings the parents together, produces children. Like, Adam knew Chava. The children are the emotions. Okay. So, Can you give an example of Das working independently? Sure. Sure. Have you ever had somebody do something? Like, say, cut you in line or something like that? Where... And you get really upset? You ever have that kind of... Or something analogous to that? They do something that really bothers you. And you're, like, really upset. Has that ever happened? Okay. Now, could you, while being upset, be perfectly aware that this is stupid and not worth getting upset about? Like, you are in no way convinced that this upsetness is in any way, um, like, justifiable. Right? In other words, it seems, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, it seems silly, it seems stupid, it doesn't make sense, right? And yet, it irks you. In other words, somehow it feels like them cutting you line is really relevant, even though... Yeah, there's no truth to that, right? How is that example of Daos? No, because no, now the thing is like this. Emotions require underlay of Das because emotion, you can't react to something unless it feels relevant to you. So, so the way it would work is that, is that the fact that they cut you off in line seems like really re- an affront to you. It's, 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 it's a... It's a, um, it's a a violation of your dignity or whatever, right? And that seems really relevant. Mm-hmm. But like, for the most part, your chachma doesn't sense any truth in that, for the most part. Your bina doesn't really think that makes a lot of sense, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why you tend to process that kind of stuff away pretty quickly, right? The problem is when your chachma starts to think that there's actually some truth to that, <laughs> then you have some more issues. Okay? But it feels, it feels very relevant. The, 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 so, so, so das is that, is, so, so, and the classic analogy that the old Hasidic Meshvim would use is that, you know, there's a man who's illiterate and he gets a letter, so you give it to a literate man to read for him, and the letter it says that the illiterate man's father's passed away. So the illiterate man starts crying. Now, if he says, I understand, you read the letter. So you had more direct contact with the content of the letter than I did, so how come you're not crying? Because it was not my father. <laughs> like, somebody died. Okay. Why is that relevant to me? Like, how, did, how does the, the death of that person have any relevance to me? I don't... Now, in other words, I have, to put it another way, not what is its impact on my life, but in what way do I sense the significance of their death? Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're my father, it will probably, you know, give me a sense of the significance of their loss, Right? That's, how, can you can, how come you can hear about stuff happening and move on in life? Because it's just, it's not relevant. Okay. Is it, is it, 
I'm not going to say fully clear, but is it somewhat clear how each of these tools is trying to accomplish something slightly different? Now, obviously, now if intellect is about being in touch with reality, obviously you have to sense that it's true. It has to make sense and it has to seem relevant. Otherwise, you're not really in touch with reality. That's intellect ultimately is understood as your ability to be in touch with reality as reality actually is, which means you have to sense the truth of the truth and the false of the false. It has to make sense so you're not confused about things. You can navigate things correctly. And it has to seem relevant, not abstract and not theoretical. Only then are you actually in touch with reality as reality is. Good? How can you say that um, Chachma can exist independently for anything except for like religious stuff? Because if somebody has a random idea and they don't know why or anything about it, the only context we accept that is like with religion. And That's not true. Like, you, you could have a random idea, but... How about, here's a random idea. People are entitled to dignity. Every person's entitled to dignity. Now, you happen to live in a culture where everyone buys into that, so it doesn't seem strange to you, right? Um, should, we fast, should we rewind like 150 years? Not everyone agrees with that. Everyone thinks, some people think that's crazy. How, could, how, could, how can you say everyone's entitled to dignity? They're serfs. She's a woman. They're not entitled to dignity. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> like, the, the problem is, the problem is, is that you only become aware of it when you encounter somebody who has it. The problem with Chachma specifically is, it, is that Chachma becomes the one that, that, that in a certain sense is the most difficult because what seems self-evidently true just seems like normal. So you don't even realize that there's something, you're, you're picking up on something. And then the other people just seems like they have crazy opinions. I mean, e- even, even a sense of rationality itself, the fact that logic is a reliable guide to making sense of things is itself because of chachma. The fact that you can trust your logical reasoning as a reliable guide to anything just seems self-evidently true. That itself is an aspect of chachma. There are whole religions that are, are you know, engaged in trying to suppress that sense and get rid of that sense that, that logic is in sense of falsehood. Can you give an example? What? An example of a religion that's trying to... Um, so you have certain strands of um, the kind of branch, certain extreme strands of Buddhism that are like that. Mm-hmm. That the very notion of logical thinking creates dichotomies, which are, creates falsehoods, which create traps the, the psyche, and you have to break free of that, and you free should ponder on paradoxes in order to break your habit of trusting oh. reason, and yeah, stuff like that. I mean, I think you also had some cults like that in, in, in Egypt, Greece, and Rome, kind of like secret mystical cults. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's certain strands of Christianity that are like that. Just yeah. one question, one general question of Kachma. Is it, so it's not necessarily objective truth, it's what you see to be true. Okay, so I, I want to touch on this very briefly because I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. If you understand how something, what is something is supposed to achieve, is a separate question of whether or not you could be fooled into thinking it's working. Let me give you an example with eyes, right? Eyes are there to see, right? Our eyes are there to, like, things have an appearance, our eyes are there to see them, right? Now, is it possible that you're, you are hallucinating and not actually seeing? Possible. It's possible, right? And that creates an interesting question of like, 
how you should deal with that possibility that your eyes actually are not working, but you've been tricked into thinking that you're using your eyes, right? But that's an Im- that question, as, as interesting as it is, has no bearing on understanding how eyes work and what they're meant to do. So it's, I can, you, could, you could study what vision is and how eyes achieve vision and never bring up the question of hallucination. That now, in real life, you start saying, well, maybe I'm hallucinating. How would I know I'm hallucinating versus actually seeing? That's an interesting question, but it's a separate question. Same thing, hearing versus also audio hallucination, right? So you have the same kind of thing. Like, how do I know whether I'm actually picking up on the truth of something or something has gone broken in my mind and therefore it feels like I'm picking up the truth of something but actually not? Sure. But, so I would say this. Chachma per se picks up on the truth of things. If it's not true, Chachma won't pick up on it. Bina is what allows you to make sense of something. So if something is not sensible, if something is incoherent, Chachma Bina cannot make sense of it. Das picks you up on the fact that something is relevant. So if something isn't relevant, it can't sense its relevance, which is my example that I gave you before. It's not a really good example of Das. It's an example of what we would call fake Das. Something it seems like something is relevant even though it is not. And you can have, something can seem relevant even though it's not. Something can seem sensible or coherent even though it's not. And something can seem true even though it's not. And that's a separate question of how you deal with that. Okay. So we can pick up both. What? Chachma. No, Chachma can only pick up only things that are true. Objectively true. Yeah. So yeah. If you're picking something up that's not true. One of two things is the case. What's usually the case is it actually is true but you've, you've, your mind has distorted it or extended it beyond the actual truth of the matter. Um, that's usually the case. Sometimes you're just completely delusional. But usually the, usually the case. So, so take something which seems to be obviously false, but some people think to be true. The world is flat. The world is flat. Okay. But now let's think about, like, is it not self-evidently true that you can trust your senses? It is, right? It is. As the world as you navigate it, experience is flat? Yes. Is that, yes? Okay. Um, is, it is, it, was that, is it self-evidently true that, to, to, uh, that we should expect things to be the way we've experienced them to be unless we have reasons to think otherwise? Mm-hmm. That's, so therefore, the world being flat has actually a very strong basis in... Now, there's something has gone... Right, there, there's... You know what I'm saying? Like, like it, 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 it's hard to call, call that. Like, it's, hard to, it's, it's hard to call that. Right. No, but the, the thing is, you start to go into things that are obviously false. And you start going into it. You start to see is you often have extensions and expansions of things which all have a truth to them but are taken further than they should be. Or there's a lack of taking something else into account. Right? Et cetera. Right. So it's called Nechzidis. Is called Seichel Meshubash, a, a, a corrupted intellect. But you could, right? So um, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example of, 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 of something which is just totally false. It seems self evident true to all of us that our lives and well being are more important than everyone else's. It does, seem, it does seem that way. And that's an example that's used in Chassidus as, um, as, 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 as a, you know, if, if Chachma would be seeing, then that would be hallucination. So you're picking up on the truth of something else. You're, that that means that you're that, that that would be no. That so there, 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 there's some that, that would be something which is false, which you're experiencing as if it's true, and that means there's something broken. 
But the, the world flattens. The world flattens, yeah, yeah. It's just inco- you're picking up on certain things that are true and being incomplete and drawing conclusions that maybe you should, you know. <laughs> okay? Um, so now, it says here to Davin, you need to be using your Chabad, right? Oh, I sorry, I skipped. So now, how do you. How do you use your Chachma, your Bina, and your Das? And I want to be clear now, there is a way you'd use them passively and a way that you use them actively. I'm only interested in talking about how they're used actively. And I'll explain just the difference between passive and active. Um, I'm using the example of breathing. Do we passively breathe or do we actively breathe? Passive. Hopefully passive. Passive. Both. We can switch. You can switch. That seems very helpful to switch. Okay. For instance, if you are very angry... If you are very angry, can you actively breathe slower yes. to calm yourself down, right? If you are an athlete, can you learn to actively control your breathing? If you are a musician involving some kind of a wind instrument, do you learn how to actively control your breathing? Yeah. Singers, right? Mm-hmm. right? Professional speakers. Now, there's also a range of that. Some of those are really active. And some are really, okay. There are certain things that we have no active control over. At least directly. What would be something that we have no active control over? Heart rate. Heart rate. Heart rate we can indirectly by saying the way you actually can slow your heart rate is through breathing. But you can't just decide to slow the heart rate and there's no, there's no will to the heart directly for whatever reason. Okay? Um, and then there are things which, unless something's really broken with you, are just always, they're always something that are, have to be active voluntary things. Mm-hmm. What would be an example of something that you cannot do passively? Drink water. Right. And I don't want to talk now about conscious, but because I could drink, the, I could drink without necessarily paying so much attention that I'm doing it. But you do have to decide on some level, right? You're, you're, you're not just, it's, not, it's not like say your heart rate or something. Mm. Okay. So all of these faculties have a passive element. They have an active element. I'm only focusing on the active one because we're going to talk about the active prayer, which is something you actively choose to do. Okay. So I'm trying to narrow the discussion of Chacham Bina and Das to the role it plays here and not writ large. Which is also one of the reasons why I'm not getting into the question of skepticism, which you brought up. Because if you're dealing with skepticism, you're not anywhere remotely close to a state of prayer. Right? You know, if a person's like, this seems to be true to me, but how do I know it's true? Right? If that's what you're dealing with, I mean, it, it's a very legitimate thing to be concerned about. It's a it's, you know, you know, person maybe need guidance like how to deal with that, but that, they're not anywhere remotely close to a state of davening that we're talking about here. What was the Hebrew word for... Meshubash. Okay, so how do you use how do you use Chachma? How do you use Bina? And how do you use Das? Okay. So Chachma, remember the goal of Chachma is to sense the truth. So I'm going to overly simplify. I'm going to just mention two things. Number one is humility. And number two is devotion. So I'll give you a concrete example of what I mean. When someone is curious, they are humble. Why does curiosity mean there's a certain degree of humility? If you're open to new things. You're open that that there's new stuff you don't know, right? If you're convinced you know everything already, you're clearly not curious. What, how, what is curiosity also have involved some element of devotion? This is how I actively use our Yes. 
So in order to use Chachma, you have to first integrate humility in your You have to be humility. Using Chachma requires being humble and being devoted. It's humble because you have to be open to being wrong about your misconceptions. Yeah, misconceptions, all sorts of things. But why devoted? Because you have to search, like you have to keep going. You have to accept what's What's more important? You or the truth? If you don't sense that the truth's importance is independent of you and actually in a certain sense is more important than you, that you should kind of be in the service of what is true, right? So it, then, I mean, like being curious, it takes, if you're curious about something, it takes time out of your life, right? So you have to have a sense of this thing has to be worth taking the time, the energy, whatever. That's a very low level of Chachma. Curiosity is not like the most profound level of Chachma. Um, the higher, the deeper the Chachma is, the greater the sense of humility you need to have and the greater sense of devotion to the truth you need to have. There's a story which I, I believe the story comes from a non-Jewish source. Um, it just sounds like a non-Jewish source, but it's a good idea for sometimes the, the, the lack of devotion to the truth that might be suffering. There's a person who's looking for the truth. And I tell them the truth is found in a faraway land. So what does he do? Travels to the faraway land. It's very difficult. It's very costly, but he's devoted to the truth. So, and then he gets to the faraway land. And they tell him, "Where's the truth?" They said, "The truth is at the top of a mountain." It's a very difficult mountain to climb, but because he's devoted to the truth, what does he do? He does it. Climbs to the top of the mountain. He gets to the top of the mountain, and there's a series of a large collection of um, glass containers with oil, each one with a wick with a flame. And there's an old man there. And he asked the old man, is this the place of truth? He says, yes, this is the place of truth. He says, well, what are all these oil lamps? He says, each one of these represents a person. And the oil remaining is the remainder of their life. And he says, where's mine? And he points to one. There's a tiny bit of oil at the bottom. That's it. When the old man turns away, he takes the oil from someone else's and pours it into his own. He was devoted to the truth until... Until it cost him. Oh, wow. But real chachma means you're devoted to the truth, and if it's going to cost you, option A, I'm not willing to pursue it anymore. Option B, I'm willing to forego the sacrifice. Or option C, it doesn't matter. Can you repeat that? Chachma, this devotion to truth, is option A, up to a point where it costs me. B, even if it costs me, I'm willing to sacrifice. Or C, it doesn't matter. What's the difference between one and three? One is I'm pursuing something up till the cost is too high. Option two is I'm going to pursue it even though it costs me because I'm willing to sacrifice for it. And option three, I'm pursuing the truth and the fact that it costs me doesn't matter to me. Sounds like two and three are the same. Though. They're not the same. Why? So, I'll give you an so example. I'll, get, I'll give you an example. Okay. Do you enjoy doing activities in the park? Pick an activity you enjoy doing in the park. Picnic. Picnic. You're having a picnic. Now, when you're having a picnic, what matters to you? The food. The food, right? Let's go with the food, right? So you're sitting at the picnic, and there's some food. Some of the food you like, some food you don't like, right? And um, you're trying to make sure that the food that you get is the food that you like, because you know, it's not like someone's bad, someone's good. Just you like this one, you like it. She's sitting in the park having good food. And um, so you're kind of making sure that, like, I don't know, you don't get that sandwich, you get this sandwich, or whatever one, right? And then, and of course, if your friend really wants the one that you want, you'll, you're willing to give it up because, right, your friendship is more important to you than the food, right? 
Okay. Okay. That's more important, right? <laughs> Is that more important? Okay, now, imagine you're at the picnic, right? And you're searching through the bag to figure out where's the sandwich that you like, whatever, right? And all of a sudden, a shooter comes and starts spraying bullets to the park. <laughs> yeah. At that point, I know, it's an extreme example, but this illustrates the point. At that point, do you say that you care about your life and you're willing to forego the sandwich? <laughs> or like the sandwich stopped mattering? Which one? It just doesn't matter, right? There's a point at which something just, it doesn't matter. Well, if you're, so Chachma, as Chachma develops, the humility becomes deeper and deeper and the sense of devotion, the truth becomes deeper and deeper. So it's not that you're willing to pay the price. It doesn't feel like the price matters. There's just no price. It's just, that, that, there's, it's just so clear what you're saying. You're like, yeah, that's okay. it. Well, if you feel like you have to sacrifice something in order to get the truth, that means the Chachma is still a weaker... Mm. You haven't developed the devotion sufficiently. Or, or as much as it could be. That make sense? So, just... So, right? Inculcating that sense of humility and humility in the face of... <laughs> how could you possibly know, right? Because you're a limited being. And devotion, that the truth is really the truth and it, 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 it's worthwhile on its own, it's valuable on its own and... And ultimately, the face of the truth, it's not you're willing to bear any cost. Like, the notion of paying a price doesn't even resonate. Like, moving in that direction. Okay. Um, how, do you use, how do you get understanding? This one I think we all understand, which is something we call critical thinking, right? Critical thinking leads to understanding. Good. So I don't have to elaborate on that. We've all know some things about critical thinking. All right. How do you develop, how do you, how do you start to sense the relevance of something? Engage with it more. That's right. That's it. The more consistently and deeply you engage with it, the more you start to sense its relevance. So if your engagement is casual, should you be shocked that you don't sense its relevance? No. If your engagement is sporadic, if your engagement is superficial, Okay, so now, to daven means to have what relative to the greatness of God? You are humble to that. You are devoted to that. And as is to, to, for you to become an awareness that it really is true, God is great. Right? You take it seriously enough that you're engaging it with a kind of rigorous critical thought so it's sensible to you, right? It makes sense to you. It's not all out there. And... Your engagement is not superficial, right? Not sporadic, but honest, consistent. And if you engage in that kind of way, then things start to change. Now, the key thing here is in any intellectual activity, though, one of these is the main focus. For instance, when you are learning, what is the main focus? The Chachma, the Bina, the Das. Are we trying to gain? A sense of truth, a sense of understanding, or a sense of relevance when we're learning. Bina. Understanding, right. In fact, one of the things that we do, like in class like mine, I know, we even say, like, you don't even have to accept this as true, right? Just, uh, like, whether you believe it's true or not true, you can still try and understand it, right? You can adopt an inquisitive academic approach to something, so try to understand it on its own terms, right? Um, so the intellectual f- goal of study is to increase in understanding. Now, obviously, 
you know, the more you have a sense of the relevance of what you're studying, the better that's going to work, right? The more you have a sense that there's an actually an underlying truth that you're getting at that's going to work better. But studying is about understanding. What's davening ultimately about? Das. Das. It's about strengthening the sense of the relevance. And therefore... Remember how we spoke about yesterday about like sometimes people like to like make it more interesting by like adding like song singing or whatever else like to spice it up. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you have to add new understanding, that's taking away from trying to actually have a deeper sense of its relevance. In other words, the ideal kind of contemplative state of prayer is where. You're not, you already understand it as fully as you need to. You already have bought into, to a sufficient degree, to a large degree, a sense that this is true. And what's lacking is a sense that it's relevant. And so you're, cont- and so you enter, it's a very different kind of cont- contemplative state. It's not a state of I'm trying to understand it better. I'm not looking for more information. I'm not trying to answer a question. Um, I'm not trying to get rid of my doubts and uncertainties. So in order really to pray you, in this kind of way, you need to have something about Hashem which to you seems true. And some, right, to some degree or another. And something that you understand sufficiently for yourself. And that's sensible to you. And yet, despite the fact that it seems true and it seems sensible it still just doesn't seem relevant. And so the engagement with the, with the mind is more focused on that. And what you'll notice is that that's the hardest use of the intellect. When I recognize that I'm lacking in understanding, the intellect becomes, it's, it's much easier to drive your intellect, right? We're confused, we want to understand, right? Um, or there's something that I'm just not getting, there's like, it's just not, it doesn't, it doesn't seem right, and so it bothers me. Like, every, like, you can sit in a class or something, like, and everyone else seems to, like, the teacher says something, everyone else nods, and they seem like it all makes sense to them. It's true. It seems, you know, and then you're just like, well, that seems to seem wrong. It, like, bothers you. And, like, so that, 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 that irritation of not, not seeing what everyone else is seeing or not understanding could very much drive the intellect. But what if it already seems true enough to you? It makes, much, it makes more or less sense to you, really. Like then your mind tends to go into a passive mode. And the trick with davening is to keep the mind actively, as you said, engaged just to strengthen the sense of relevance. Now we do that with things that we already feel are very relevant to us, like our own well-being. But to do that with the greatness of God is much more challenging. So you pick one thing. What? You pick one thing that you understand but is... There's different techniques of how this and certain techniques for one person. I'm seeing that's going to be a general, a, a more of a general thing. But how to do it specifically depends on person to person, different people. You know, and as I said yesterday, not everybody all the time is capable of doing this. Okay, but to give you an example, okay, let's say you have a person. This is this is in a non-religious context, but it gives you a sense of the kind of thing. Let's say you have a person, and this person has, um, like, really bad, some kind of issue. It could be a drug addiction, it could be whatever. I don't care what it is, okay? 
And um, if they don't change, they're going to mess up their life, seriously. I don't know, they'll lose their marriage, they'll get fired, whatever it is. Pick, you know, pick kind of what's kind of a scenario, right? Does that person deny the truth of the fact that if they continue doing this, that's probably what's going to end up happening? No. Does this person lack in the understanding? They can't explain to you how it works. Right? And yet... Okay, so there's, there's different elements here. Now, sometimes a person like, doesn't know what to do practically, right? Okay. But sometimes, and very often, there's a sense um, of that's just not, like, there's a little sense, like, that's not, it's, it's true, and that's how it works, but somehow some, some little part of themselves, which feels like that's not really relevant to them, or they can deal with that later, and they need to actually work through, come to a sense that, no, 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 it really is applied, this is how, how it really does apply to you, and um, you really do need to make the change, as Hill says, in not now way. Now, again, the practicalities of then what to do, maybe the person needs help, maybe the person doesn't need help. That's a separate issue. But coming to that sense, it's not that they're missing information per se. It's not that they don't, you know, again, the way to check for Chacham is apply to someone else. If you can see it in someone else, then the Chacham is not really the issue. In other words, you know, if, if, if I can, if, if you, you see someone there, you see someone, like, you really shouldn't do what you're doing, you're ruining your life, and they turn around, well, you're doing the same thing. Like, why, is it, why can't you see it with them? But, because to see it with them, you're just saying that it's true. But with you, it has to have all of a sudden this, this demand and this, and that's where the dots, so you can have the chachm and not have the dots. That's why it's so easy for rabbis to, like, console people and guide people through all sorts of problems using, you know, all sorts of teachings from Tyra until it's their problem. <laughs> right? We have to trust in God when we go through tragedy until it's your own tragedy. And he's not being hypocritical it's because it's true and he sees that it's true. And then there's us. But then there's us. But is it relevant to me? As long as it's not me. So I feel like all the levels, like if you say it with an Exactly, exactly. There's a level of internalizing that goes through, right? And obviously, as something has been internalized deeper, your sense of how to apply it in your life. So we go into these things about internalizing applications. Not, like I said, they're not wrong things, but I don't think they're necessarily useful guidance of what to do. But like, okay, there's something, there's something about, you know, like, I don't know, that we can trust Hashem to help us out when we have problems, right? I mean, there's, there's having the humility and, and the, the devotion to, 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 to become open to really sensing that's actually true, right? There's like studying like the Shara Batach and the gate of trust to really understand what it means to trust Hashem. What, what are the limits of trust of Hashem? How does it work? What's, 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 what's an appropriate way to develop it? What's not appropriate way to develop it? What's, what's, what's deluding yourself about trusting Hashem? And then there's like really engaging with that in an honest way consistently and deeply over time that it really starts to, as you say, you know it. And yeah. And the thing is, when you're in that state about trying to get the knowing, the das, and you can, you're, you have the, 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 
the sense of truth of the Chachma. And you have the understanding of the Bina. But ultimately, those are there facilitating the engagement and pushing up to engage deeper and deeper so it seems more and more relevant. That's the state of davening. And obviously, that, as something seems more relevant, you would expect it to elicit emotional reactions, right? Right. right? If I tell you that Frank won a million dollars, I don't expect you to emotionally react, right? If I tell you your sister won a million dollars, or that she'll share or not. It's exciting because it's your sister, right? If I say that you won a million dollars, it's also exciting for different reasons, right? So the excitement is a, is, 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 a, is a response to the relevance. And this is the key thing that Chassidus teaches that real, the real emotions are always responsive. And so the attempt to arouse them like directly ends up creating something false like we spoke about yesterday. And so that, and, and the more you think about it, so, so in order to enter a state of davening, what do I have to do with my skepticism about Hashem? What do I have to do with my sense that I have it all figured out? What do I have to do with my sense of, I don't, I'm fine, I don't, my life is good, right? All that, I kind of have to like get rid of all that, I'm going to enter the state of davening, right? If, if the minute I start thinking about Hashem, my mind just goes blank, or it just becomes a, a, a mess of different slogans and propaganda, like, not going to work, right? I have to have something coherent to focus on, something, something that makes sense to me is is fleshed out enough for me to engage with, but not overly complicated that I get confused by, right? And then I have to dwell on it and ponder it and chew on it, not for the purpose of understanding it better, but because through that engagement, it's going to slowly sink in of how relevant that is, which of course I have to approach it with that kind of honesty and that kind of sincerity. And the more you really think about that, obviously as a person enters in that state, (laughs) the only thing that is going to resonate with them intellectually and emotionally is going to be the, the perspective of, 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 of the godly perspective because it's just not the animal still goes to sleep. Okay. Questions before we move on in the text. Okay. Now it says here you're supposed to contemplate on the greatness of God. Why in the greatness of God? So many other things you could contemplate on. Why the greatness of God? So, what is what is greatness just in general? Like what does it mean? Yeah. What does it mean? How like it's the capacity for. Um... This is a great book. What do, what do I mean? I mean, I know what I mean. It's a book. What do I mean that is great? It's got a high value. It's got a high value. Okay. He's a great guitar player. What does that mean? Talented skill. Mm-hmm. Um. This pizza is great. Tasty. Also, these are all very different. So why are we using the same word? It has a very large positive. I don't know. Good. It has a very large positive. Exactly. It's ex- no, that's exactly right. In other words, no, no, no. In, uh, in other words, what, when you're speaking about the greatness of something, is you're you're finding the positivity in it, but you're ref- but you have to have a point of reference, right? In other words, the pizza has has a high positivity when you're referring to like the experience of eating it, right? 
In other words, when you, when you have a kind of a way of evaluating something and it measures very positively in that way of evaluating, that's greatness, right? So what are you doing with God if you're meditating or contemplating or pondering his greatness? Comparing? That's right. You're standing in judgment over God and seeing how he measures up in some way or another. And guess how he measures up? He comes out pretty great. <laughs> but but I, I want you to stop and think about it. That's what you're doing. You're standing there and saying like, God, yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, no, a scale of one to 10, he's an 11. Now, what are you measuring? I don't know what you're measuring, but you're measuring something. You're like, he comes out pretty good, right? Is that bad? No. It's great. But, it's great. <laughs> but like, like, but, 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 now I think, like, why is that what you're supposed to contemplate on? Because it's not real to you. No. Let's read one little bit. And to arouse the burning love in the right part of his heart to cleave to him. Why would you want to cleave to God? Why would you want to be close to God? Because he's, he's, he's great. So unless, right? In other words, the whole point is to have a sense that he's great and that his greatness is really relevant and therefore, obviously, what does that elicit in you? A desire to be? But that means you have to find something about him that is actually great. And what, sta- what, what standard of measurement would you have to use? Compared to everything else you know? No, no, not what, you, what, measure, what should you measure about God? Something that you can value. For instance, let's say you value, like let's say you, take, like, let's say you value, as most people do, people that care for them, right? How do you feel about people that care for you? You think they're great people or they're pretty good people, right? You know, when I rate people, one of the ways I rate people is like, those that care for me rate pretty high in my life, and those that don't care for me, not so much, right? Make sense? Yeah? Okay. Um, and the more you really get that someone cares about you, and that seems relevant, how do you feel about them? Do you feel good to them? And would you like, where would you like to be relative to them? Good, okay. So now, how does Hashem measure up on the scale of beings who care about you? On a scale of one to ten. One, no, we'll do it at a scale of negative 10, you know, to, to positive 10, right? Because it could be, they, 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 not just they don't care about you, but they, but they want to get rid of you, right? So 10 is like the worst possible enemy you could possibly imagine anyone having who wants to like hunt them down the ends of the earth to do, destroy them, make them suffer. And 10 would be like the ultimate cliche of like how much a mother loves their newborn. Negative five percent, right? So, right? Like, some people really dislike you, right? Some people, like, in theory, a person could dislike you so much they would, they would spend the rest of their life, like, chasing you down just to make your life absolutely suffer miserable for ending it, right? There are people like that. And then, right? There are people that, there's someone who cares about you, like, you know, like the, 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 the cliche example of the mother and the newborn infant. So, on that scale, where does Hashem rate? 10? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. No. No. Infinitely beyond. Infinitely beyond, right? What the, the point to realize is, and that the point to is, whatever thing you're measuring, right, you, if, if you're doing it properly, you should come to the sense that Hashem breaks the scale. Because whatever you're measuring is limited, and by Hashem that thing is unlimited. 
How much is how much is the the most ideal example of a mother newborn infant? At the end of the day, that mother's love for the child is finite, right? That mother's love for the child is care for the child is finite. Why? Because she's finite, right? She can't have more. She can't have more than she is. Okay. What if what you value is justice? People who are just. Well, how just is God? Now, how do you go about like there's there's I think of you 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 can open up the sitter. There's lots of things, different themes of this. But the idea of greatness is is you. It's important to realize you are you are standing in a kind of judgment over God and saying like, do I find God appealing enough, positive enough that I that 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 it elicits in me a desire to be close to Him. You know, someone who's very profound, right? Um, maybe, maybe the thing that they value, anything they think is great, is reality itself. And so what would they have to contemplate then? God versus reality. How real God. And how is real is God? More real than anything. Infinitely real. In fact, in reference, in reference to God, is anything else real anymore? No. Right. But you can go, like... It, but the, the point is, it doesn't really matter the, the specifics per se. What matters is the general framework, that you're engaging with the greatness of God. And, you know, for some people, it's that God, God, everything meaningful in life is really just a ray of God's influence in our lives. Well, if that's just a ray of his influence, what would it be like to actually really be attached to him fully? Okay? God is the... the, 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 the it's the very being of God that is the source of meaning. It's not meaning because it says it. It's like, so when I encounter something meaningful, what I'm picking up is like, a, like, like if you're in a room and there's a little crack and the light comes through and so you can see the ray of light. When I encounter something like that's meaningful, it's a little crack and there's some glimmer of God's being shining through into reality. Well, then if that's the case, then God, God is, is the meaning behind meaning. And if that really seems relevant to me, well, I think I might really want to be attached to God all the time, right? It, now, is there, is there a hard rule as to exactly how to do this for each, per, for, for each person? Or is it going to vary from person to person, different people, different time, temperaments, and different types of things that speak to them, right? But there's a kind of a general pattern here. And that brings this, uh, this passionate love to be close to Hashem. And how can we be close to Hashem? What does it say? By virtue of filling the commandments, the, the, the fulfillment of the Torah and its commandments out of love. When we do mitzvahs out of love, we are connected to Hashem. That itself is a topic developed at length in chapter 4. I'm not going to talk about it now. Um, a, because we're at the end of the class. Um, and B, uh, you know, if, I, if I squeeze everything into it, we'll never finish the chapter. But we're going to just leave that as is. That... If a person has does this kind of davening sense, and that that obviously would whatever makes God great when it seems relevant to them, obviously that elicits from them a desire to be close to Hashem, to be attached to Hashem, to have Hashem together with them in their life, etc., etc., etc. And the way that happens in practice is through doing mitzvahs out of love. And so obviously this person therefore walks away from davening with a very strong sense that they want to do mitzvahs, not because they want to go to heaven, not because they want people to think they're religious, but because they want to be with God. That's what a Bainese davening is like in the classic sense. 
And this is the essential aspect of the Shema. If you look on the Shema, that's basically what the Shema is about. So we're, we're going to end here tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, tomorrow is questions and answers, right? Mm-hmm. So on Monday, we will start talking about the Shema and the blessings of the Shema and get a little bit into that. Cool. Okay? Um, again, I want to be, is, this, is, this is not the only part of being a Benini, right? But this is a very, very classic thing. Um, and this is the kind of thing that a person, it, 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 it's something that a person like art. Um, some people are naturally good at it. Some people are naturally not so good at it. But it's something that anybody can cultivate if they're really interested in doing so. All right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. How do you think Sadiqim? Yeah, Sadiqim. I just thought it's automatic for them. Well, is it automatic for you to care about your well being? Yeah. Good. Can you, can you still think very deeply about what would be really good for you in life and what would really be important in life, what would really make your life worthwhile? Or you could like not, because you can just kind of coast, right? So if you have a tzaddik where all they feel is a desire to be with Hashem, they can kind of coast. Or they can say, but Hashem is so much greater than that, so much more than that. And, right? and, 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 and so the, the sense of how great Hashem is and the urgency to be with Him can be built greater and greater and greater. And achieve new heights and new perspectives and new things. So much so that one sadik can look at his previous state and say, like, that was just a childish, superficial relationship with Hashem, what I used to have, versus what I have now. All that's the case is that the animal soul is not something they contend with. They can grow. Not only can they grow, sometimes it's it's how they get stuck, and Hashem takes away even that innate experience so they can start over from scratch. Because sometimes they can get into a rut. Right? Something positive can still be a limitation. Right? All you have to do is just take out the part of yourself that, 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 that cares about anything other than relating to Hashem. But relating to Hashem is like a whole infinite world of layers and levels and, you know... You can bring them up, but I haven't had time to look in the specific... No, no, no. Just, yeah. Oh, this? So, so yeah, Rabbi Shimon, so, so, Rabbi Shimon Bechai did something different. Rabbi Shimon Bechai studied Torah. And so when you study, he studied Torah in such a way that the Torah had an effect on him so much so that it, that it, it accomplished for him what prayer would have accomplished without prayer. And that's because his studying of Torah was experiencing the godliness as opposed to the ideas. So he was having a, a mystical experience as he was studying Torah. So it's nothing like our study of Torah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. if, if you go more, in, remember how I said that like, like the, 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 the goal of prayer is to work on the, on the Das? So his studying of Torah was so much so that he saw the truth. 
And so when you're saying to her, like the truth was, was so obvious, but that, that, that the obviousness of the truth made it make sense and made it seem relevant. And so it like, didn't need to work on any of that stuff. It's a totally different kind of a... Yeah. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. But even among Sadiqim, that's very rare. It's not a common thing to do. So we stopped just for his halakhic obligations? Yeah, so there's some debate as to what those are. Right, Yes, there's some debate as to what those are. Like, Rabbi Shem Baruchai, the whole, the whole way of experiencing things was very different. He didn't work through this, like, I have this barrier between me and Hashem and I need to get past it. He had a, a totally different sense, which is um, I see the truth of Hashem and can I see it clear? It's a very different kind of... It's like, you can see something, but then you can really, really pay attention to it because and see it more vividly and more vividly and more vividly. And as you see it more vividly, your sense of what it really is deepens and changes. It's a very different kind of an experience. Not that I've ever been around a shimmer high, so I don't know if there's no experience.